0: Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the end time blog podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today I have a long one It might be the longest one I've done. Hoping it's within the 30 minute limit that Spotify puts on podcasts. It's about discerning Lori Alexander, the transformed wife, as she calls herself on her various social media and on Twitter godly womanhood. I've got some disclaimers at the end. But here we go. You know, though the internet affords opportunity for anyone to come out with a blog or a YouTube or TikTok channel, or to tweet or comment on Facebook boldly, not all content should be absorbed. And Lori Alexander, the transformed wife's content should not. But first, a defense of discernment. I find I need to do this more often these days. Jesus praised the folks at the church at Ephesus doing discernment properly. He said so in Revelation 2 2 and 2 6. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot bear with those who are evil and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false and 2 6 says yes this you do have that you hate the deeds of the nicolaitans which i also hate critiquing a ministry is appropriate going to them personally is not required public teachings can and should be publicly assessed, and evaluation is noble, says Acts 17.11. So, in discerning Lori Alexander, if you take Lori's tweets individually, or if you only read them occasionally, you know, they seem good, like this one I'll read. She wrote on Twitter, having date nights once a week did not improve our marriage. What improved our marriage dramatically was when I finally stopped pointing fingers at my husband as the problem and instead pointed them at me and became began becoming the wife God called me to be. Well, that's agreeable. I agree with that one. And I agree with this next one as well. Quote, Babies don't get in the way of your goals, women. This is a lie feminism, Satan, promoted. Being married and bearing and raising your own children are God-ordained goals for women. He created us to marry and bear children, not for the workforce or working for a boss and strangers. End quote. Well, I agree with that one too. So what's the problem, you might be wondering. First, the tricky part comes when she mixes in things that are not biblical. Secondly, the damaging part is just consuming a steady diet of her material. Over time, you see an accumulation of tone and thought. Almost every tweet disparages women or wives or marriage in some way. Worst of all, the advice you see over time is extra biblical because it is legalistic. Let's define legalism. This definition is from Ligonier Ministry, Ligonier.org. Quote, legalism is by definition an attempt to add anything to the finished work of Christ. It is to trust in anything other than Christ and his finished work for one's standing before God. And just a side note here, the transformed wife says that she was transformed, not because of the Bible or verses in the Bible, but because of Debbie Pearl's book. So that's what she says transformed her, not the finished work of Christ, but some lady's book. So to that end, the transformed wife's cumulative posts reveal a constant pointing to a wife's works as the measure of a marriage and her standing with God and even her soul. It's trust in Debbie and Michael Pearl, not Christ of the cross. It's trust in the idol of submission. Lori has made it for herself. Her husband's responsibility is not mentioned. Grace is not found. Charity, fruit, prayer, scripture, not evidence. Only legalistic negative Nellie warnings with confident absolutes, dire and dour. For example, when she said women destroy everything, there's a screenshot of that at the blog. She'll often focus on Eve alone and accuse Eve, but not include Adam's part in the fall of man, as Romans 5, 12 to 13 says. She'll just focus on 2 Timothy two fourteen, and the woman. Biblical concerns, first of all. Well, number one, she disbelieves in original sin. In a post now scrubbed, Lori Rowe in 2016, quote, Your children are born in the flesh. It's not sinful yet since they haven't sinned just as Adam's flesh wasn't sinful before he sinned. And I posted a link to that source. Sometime in 2022, the transformed wife replied to a woman asking Lori directly about original sin. And her reply was unbiblical, saying the same. We become sinners when we sin. That um, is a Pelagian heresy um it's called Pelagianism after pelagius who promoted it and it was condemned as heresy in 418 by the council of carthage now i asked about lori about her stance on original sin last month in may 2023 but she refused to answer and blocked me later lori came out with a weak affirmation of original sin but I suspected its sincerity because it was issued under a cloud of growing scandal that her stance had generated when it resurfaced. Biblical concern number two. Lori teaches that women should not teach doctrine to other women. And thus her view of scripture is skewed. Lori wrote on her blog, and there's a link to the original, Quote, my conviction is that women should not be teaching women doctrines other than the doctrine of biblical womanhood, as commanded in Titus 2, 3 to 5. This has given me a lot of criticism from many places. I am even being called dangerous, legalistic, ungodly, and a false teacher. I'll pause quoting her here to say, if you're a true teacher of the word and you have people calling you those things, I would take a look. Anyway, continuing, quote, Women's Bible studies are the pathway that has led to many female preachers, pastors, or women speaking in the churches, and lukewarm churches. If women can preach or teach scripture in a church, how is that any different from the men who do this on Sunday mornings? End quote. Well, the first issue with this stance is that it's wrong, We're not saying Titus 2 urges women to preach in a church. That's a big leap. The verse is urging older women to teach the younger, that's all. Worry tends to make straw man fallacies and argue them when in fact they don't exist. Teaching what is good in the verse means teaching about God, who is the only good, Mark 10, 18. She got this no-teaching doctrine or theology from a man called Dale Partridge, who is below reproach due to his serial plagiarism and who should not be teaching or pastoring. This shows Laurie displays a lack of discernment. She also elevates Michael and Debbie Pearl and Dale Partridge's teachings as if they're gospel words from Jesus himself but when she's challenged, will not take anyone else's words or research or experience into account. Now, on women teaching other women as per Titus 2, I'm going to quote from Debbie Lynn Kespert here. Quote, the Apostle Paul tells Titus in verse 3 that older women must, first of all, teach what is good well, what could possibly be better than the Lord Jesus Christ? Doesn't being a godly wife, mother, and housekeeper flow out of knowing him? Surely women without the Lord are fully capable of teaching the basic skills. Only a Christian woman, however, can teach her sisters who Jesus is. And obviously she can't do that unless she teaches sound doctrine. Theology lays the groundwork for having a godly marriage, raising children by godly principles, and maintaining a home that reflects godly order. Theology deepens our understanding of who God is and what he values. So when a woman teaches right theology to other women as a supplement to the pastor's preaching, she assists their abilities to be wives and mothers that brings glory to god end quote from debbie lynn kespert who i think is very wise now lori alexander self-imposed strict legalism about not teaching women other doctrines other than the one doctrine lori deems acceptable to teach that is biblical womanhood results in her skewed view of scripture. 2 Peter 3, 14 to 18 can be applied to her, particularly where the unstable distort God's teachings. For example, several times she has said the following, in these 13 verses, God's will and order in marriage is firmly established. There isn't one verse that commands husbands to submit to wives. There's no such thing as mutual submission in a marriage. End quote from Laurie. Well, legalism will take one verse and camp on it to the exclusion of other verses and to the exclusion of um, authorial intent and context. This is what is meant by unstable twisting God's word. Her version of submission is one way only. And she doesn't, to my knowledge, teach young women what to expect from a husband, according to Ephesians 5, or any other pertinent verses. Well, Ephesians 5.25 urges believers, quote, Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, and continuing verse 28-29 says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Well, this is sacrificial love, not submissive love per se, but a gentle leadership love that sacrifices for the wife. But there's none of that kind of teaching in Lori's world. Husbands lead. Yes, they are the ultimate decision maker. But leading means leading in kindness and grace remembering what Christ has done for his church and mimicking the same in your marriage. Submission is Laurie's tithing of mint. That refers to Luke 11, 42. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you pay tithe of mint and every kind of garden herb. Yet you disregard justice and the love of God but these are things you should have done without neglecting the others. Hyper focusing on submission to the neglect of other doctrines is something that the unstable do. Well, secondly, Lori is a King James onlyist. She said in a blog host, post she agrees with Michael Pearl, who teaches King James ver- uh, version only. Pearl had said in that video, quote, I believe that the King James Bible is the word of God and not the other books. Hmm. Pearl has also said, quote, the others are not really translations. They're not preservations of the word of God. They're modern renderings, which involve the imagination of the authors. And they're all done for the sake of selling something. End quote. Well, her King James onlyism shows a lack of discernment on her part and demonstrates once again, her total unquestioning acceptance of what Michael and Debbie Pearl teach. I post a link on the blog of a rebuttal of that stance. Dr. James White spends a few minutes with Todd Friel of Wretched, rebutting um, about the King James only. King James onlyists tend also to be cultish. And that's what people claim that the pearls have done is create a cult of their teachings, people following them. Quote, one of the saddest signs of legalistic Christianity is the tenacious defense of the KJV as the only legitimate English language translation, almost as sad Is that countless hours of scholars and pastors time must be diverted from the larger priorities of god's kingdom to point out numerous historical logical and factual errors of king james onlyism even though those errors have been repeatedly exposed in the past end quote and that's from craig blomberg again at the blog all these are linked to the original Three, Lori is unteachable and she resorts to victim status when challenged or corrected. I believe that every teacher and every person with a ministry has both a responsibility to be as correct as possible and has a duty to be accountable to their own overseers and to those whom they teach. In ministry, we're talking souls. We're talking eternal truths from the Bible. And we're talking our sovereign king. Heavy stuff. Yet, though we don't kowtow to trolls, and though we should have a fair amount of confidence in our own settled convictions, no one is above error. And that's what Laurie says quite, quite a bit. No one is 100% except that doesn't apply to her because when asked about original sin by me, she blocked me immediately and others report the same. She hides comments, scrubs content, blocks people willy-nilly and many have pleaded with her to take a look at her teachings and examine herself, but she does not. A minister of the gospel should be teachable, and fair, and humbly allow a correction when they're wrong. Proverbs 12.1 applies here to Lori, which I will share in the King James Version, since she likes that version so much. Who so loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. And then comes the victim status. When I asked her about her... Um, stance on original sin. She messaged me saying, quote, I can't believe you're scouring through my writings to find things against me that was stolen from my private chat room by trolls. Well, there's no need to scour writings, since she's been on blogs and social media since 2011 and all of it's public, asked about nothing that wasn't public, and writing To find things against me is typical victimhood stance. In her mind, a person asking about her basis for her theology or her lifestyle is actively trying to bring her down. When we in fact should be reasoning together to find mutual understanding. Now this next part, I've got 10 minutes left. Lori Alexander defends alleged instances of marital rape and engages in child beating under the name submission and discipline. And that's pretty serious. And this is really what threw me when I began to look into her content. Lori gave advice on video to a woman who said her husband had asked her for sex. The wife had said, no thank you. But then the wife woke up in the middle of the night to her husband having sex with her anyway. The question the wife had asked Laurie was, is this rape? In the video, Lori replied, I said, well, do you feel like you need to call the police and have them locked in jail? Because if true rape is when you're assaulted and against your will by some stranger, and you feel like he's worthy of being put in prison." End quote. She received a lot of flack for that reply, rightly so, and in unteachable fashion, did not take a fair look at her reply, but doubled down, issued a defensive rebuttal blog post. Quote, I told her, no, this was not considered marital rape. Marital rape is when a husband forces himself on his wife on a frequent basis while drunk or high on drugs or is simply an abusive mean man. If there is true marital rape, there is physical abuse that comes with it. It's not that big of a deal. Wait, her stance is that a woman has to be raped a bunch of times for it to be raped? or he has to be high for it to be rape? It's not rape if it only happened once, or if he was sober when he did it, or if no physical evidence of your refusal can be seen, it's not. That, friends, is an outdated 1980s rape culture philosophy that has harmed and silenced many women. Or said nothing about Jesus' charge to the husband to exhibit self-control. Or as Ephesians 5.29 says, <clears throat> He should nourish and cherish her just as Christ does the church. She has extremely troubling views on consent and boundaries, which include positive mentions of the husband hitting his wife on the behind. Corporal punishment of the wife is okay. Legally, let's come back to reality now, most states states consider it rape when the victim is unconscious. I posted a link to those consent laws and a quote about husband rapists. With Laurie Alexander, you begin to notice that everything is the wife's fault. She has a dim view of marriage, a joyless outlook, and dispenses advice filled with legalism and blame. Here's an example. On Instagram story, it was a ask me anything, and someone asked her, quote, "'Doctors do not want me to have more babies "'because my pelvis is too small,' they say. "'Should I listen?' And Lori answered this woman who had received medical advice, "'Obey your husband. He is head over you, and if he believes more babies can be harmful, then don't. If he doesn't, then do. Doctors don't know everything. They aren't God. Worse, when I read her account of her approach to child discipline, I had to walk away for a while. I'm going to read to you something that she wrote herself about a Christmas that stood out to her. Quote, when my children were one, three, five, and seven, I woke up at five AM and went downstairs, and they had opened up every single present. I was so upset. I took off my soft, flimsy slipper, and began spanking them with it, and letting them know I was clearly angry. Like Jesus in the temple. I ran upstairs crying and let Ken know. He came down and had a long talk with them and set them out on the porch, threw them out of the Garden of Eden for their sin, and made them ponder their sin. They all came in and humbly apologized. We'll never forget this Christmas. Another quote. As soon as the baby starts crying, tell him to go to that place and sit there until he can control himself. If he gets up, smack him hard. It has to hurt. A lot of it will do no good. And tell him to go back to his special place. She has many other screenshots where she urges painful hitting of a baby, even blanket. training, which I'll get to in a minute if I have time. Now, Christmas is a time to celebrate the wondrous incarnation of Christ. Gather with family, prayerfully and joyfully speak and sing of his love, share gifts in that spirit. It's not to abuse your children by hitting them in anger. That shows a severe lack of self-control to hit a one-year-old and three-year-olds in anger for a totally appropriate childlike reaction to Christmas. It's not just about locking them outside on a cold morning. The act of closing your home's door against your babies and toddlers should enrage even the most strict person. All that teaches them is that you can be tossed out at a moment's notice and that your home is not safe and that it's not permanent. It just shows the kids that home could be lost for the most trivial of reasons. I linked to a Christianity Today article from 2011 called When Child Discipline Becomes Abuse, talking about the pearls approach, which Lori has wholesale adopted. Several children have died under this cruel and abusive method that Lori encourages moms to use. I also have a a link to a page of 34 screenshots describing her stance on physical punishment of under three-year-olds. It urges people to say, make sure you're in a state that allows you to use an instrument like a belt or a rod rather than just your hand to smack the children. And advising children to uh, women to break the child's will. There's no nurturing and loving admonishment. Now blanket training is a technique in the Pearls book that Lori promotes that involves putting a six month old baby on the floor on a blanket, putting a few toys just off the blanket, encouraging the baby to crawl off the blanket to get the toy and then hitting the child with a spoon or a stick if they do. Repeat till the child remains on the blanket, despite temptations. Somebody wrote about Lori's approval of blanket training, quote, putting toys out that they can't have and then hitting them when they reach, you are tempting them to sin. Something Jesus said never did and says not to do. Obedience should never be taught using fear. This is abuse. Well, I've got more in um, the blog, but I don't have time because the 30-minute limit is coming. The spirit that touched Lori Alexander so much that it transformed her is Debbie Pearl and Michael Pearl's schemes, books, methods. Not the Holy Spirit illuminating truth to her. That is why her advice is twisted and legalistic, because it's not based on God's book, but her idol's book. Lori's dependence on the King James Version only, the pearls, Bill Gothard's teachings, which she approves of, along with a limited view of scripture, has drawn her into a sphere where she dispenses seemingly good surface advice, but it comes from a dark and cultish place. Ladies, don't be so relieved that you found someone online who refreshingly teaches biblical womanhood that you overlook the serious flaws from the transformed wife's ministry. She's wrong on not teaching doctrine to other women. She's wrong on the pearls. She's wrong on the Duggars, who she's right now defending vehemently. She's wrong on Bill Gothard. She's wrong on King James Version only, and she's wrong on her version of wifely submission and the husband's role. Please avoid Lori. Do not absorb her teachings. And at the link, at the blog, there will be some links to other more edifying ministries. Thank you for listening.